Hi, my name is Jed Grieve. I am from Cook Culture, and this is the Cook Culture Podcast. So we put quite a lot of information up on our website, but we also understand that people like to listen to things and watch things and not always have to read every single thing that we post. So starting today, we're going to put a lot of our information into an audio form, and it's this podcast. So this podcast will have everything to do with what we are doing, and that has everything to do with cooking, and it has everything to do with learning about cooking and talking about nutrition, nutrition for families, nutrition for kids, nutrition for young people, nutrition for people as they age, and how we can make small changes to improve our life. So cooking and the fundamental uh, process of cooking is really simple. Everybody can agree on that. You need some simple tools and we do things very simply. You cut, you fry, you heat, you blend, and you eat. And cooking to heat, the tool that we use primarily is a fry pan. And fry pans are a, uh, a funny thing in which we sell because they're a confusing item on the market. People spend a little or a lot on a fry pan, but there's always a question and confusion of which one is the right one. Like, do I buy a stainless steel fry pan? Do I buy a cast iron fry pan? Do I buy a coated fry pan? You know, are, is, is seasoning a cast iron pan easy? Is it hard? Does nonstick kill us? You know, what happens when it starts peeling off? You know, there's all these ongoing questions and there's a lot of confusion around it. So I like to go at things the most simple processes possible when looking at more difficult questions that have more difficult answers. You know, a lot of things, fortunately, in the kitchen are very simple. A cheese grater is a cheese grater. For the most part, a knife is a knife. But a fry pan is definitely not a fry pan specifically when there's different materials and coating is involved. But for myself, you know, and for the record, uh, nonstick coating is something in which I think each person needs to make their own individual choice. The type of coating in which goes onto a pan can be varied. There is different types of brands of nonstick out there and there are ceramic nonsticks and then funny questionable things in between you know there's there's a diamond process there's titanium there's all different types of colors and none of them really give you a good understanding of what it is that's in them and what the long-term effects of those things are so there's a lot of big question marks when it comes to coating however when it does come to using coated cookware the one thing that I know absolutely clearly and I'm 100% confident in telling you is that coated cookware does not last so you can buy a pan today and it may last you five years and maybe even if you baby it it could last you 10 years but it will wear out and mostly it seems that they wear out within a year year and a half they start to degrade heat is is brutal to them and they start to dry and they crack and they peel and they they get scraped and they become garbage you can't do anything with them so they actually become landfill and from you know the perspective of our family we try to do the best that we can to buy things once or not buy them at all if we know they're disposable and when it comes to cookware there's no reason to buy disposable cookware you don't need to do it you can buy really good quality long-lasting generational cookware uh, and the trick with it though is that you need to learn how to look after it and that comes down to seasoning and that's the topic of today we're going to talk about seasoning cookware Thank you.
So seasoning is a really confusing topic. There's, it seems like when you look up instructions how to, you'll get into people that have written about it. You can watch an endless amount of videos of people that want to show you how to do it. And there are different methods and, and materials that are used. And it's always a fat. Uh, and there are different, different materials that are used in creating the nonstick or the, the seasoning. And in that, what the simple process of creating seasoning is heating a fat on an iron, on a metal, to a point in which it hardens. And it, the, the term is called polymerized. It's, you build up a polymer and the, the coating is polymerized. And it's a, it's a quite a simple process. You want to use a, a certain type of, of fat, oil, that has a tendency to heat at a high smoke point, doesn't smoke, hardens and dries, and adheres really well to metal. So there are a few options that are much better than others, and all of them have a decently high smoke point. But our number one choice is grapeseed oil. We also use a, a type of a, a blend of a beeswax oil and a grapeseed oil that works extraordinarily well for us, and that's called Buzzy Wax, and that's something that we are just starting to, uh, to sell now. You can also use Crisco, and some people swear by Crisco. Personally, I'm, I don't buy Crisco, I don't have Crisco, so it's not something that I ever have around. I'm not gonna buy something just to use it as seasoning, except for, of course, Buzzy Wax, because that is something that we sell through our retail store, so it is something that I have around. But grapeseed oil, you can use it for seasoning and you can use it for cooking. It's a very neutral oil. It has a nice high burn temperature, so it seasons really well, and it's also totally neutral for, for cooking with. The lot of people, and the point around the dissatisfaction with using iron or stainless steel cookware is that people find that they don't have success in seasoning. And this usually has something to play with a fruit oil or a lower burn temperature oil. And that's usually an olive oil because that's what most every single person has in their kitchen. So they're trying to season using an olive oil and not having success. Olive oil is very, very, very difficult to polymerize. You can have success and usually it comes from a highly refined olive oil. So it's not a really fruity, thick, extra virgin olive oil, you know, a Spanish or a Greek and something that's got tons of flavor. Usually the more flavor and the thicker it is, the worse it does for seasoning. Thin, you know, whitey, yellowy, fast running olive oil can actually do a decent job because it's heavily refined uh, and it has a higher burn temperature and it seasons quite well. So in seasoning, a fry pan, the idea is that you're taking a, a raw pan, something that you've bought new, and it may come seasoned. A lot of pans that you buy off the shelf come with some sort of a seasoning. And the reason for this is that it stops them from uh, rusting in shipping. If you were to make a raw pan, just raw iron, and ship it, just the moisture in the air would react and oxidize and rust the pan just from the factory to the retail store. So it comes with some sort of a coating on it. This coating mostly isn't thick enough or, or worn well enough in to use as a cooking surface. So you want to start to build up a seasoning. So you get a pan home and it can be a lodge pan. We sell lodge and we sell uh, field uh, cast down cookware made in the US. 
and we sell the new black lock from lodge that comes with three seasonings on it and actually does quite a good job on on working right out of the box but you know i do highly suggest that you start working on building the seasoning no matter what for a, a new pan but what you're trying to do is taking a, a very thin amount of oil or if you're using something like the buzzy wax that has uh, beeswax in it you do a very small thin layer of the oil in a warm pan you want to put it on the heat or in the oven and warm it uh, to a point that it just thins the oil that it gets into every little nook and cranny that's the point of kind of preheating the pan you don't need to paint the pan really hot you just want to get to a point where it's it's warm enough to to really thin out that oil so it gets every tiny little place then you make sure that there isn't any excess oil on there give it a little bit of a wipe off so it's got a really nice thick glossy finish and you this is coating the entire pan top and bottom and you've preheated your oven to 450 degrees for you know 20 minutes or so so it's preheated and you take your pan your warm pan and invert it put it upside down into the oven so that the the bottom of the pan is facing up and then bake it in there for 45 minutes I do an hour some people definitely are adamant that you don't need to do as much as an hour I find an hour works really well it hardens the surface and I know that it's 100% done so then take the pan out of the hot oven give it a quick wipe and I use a rag instead of a paper towel but a small rag that I keep just for seasoning paper towel at this stage when it's hot like this will start to deteriorate the rag really quickly and you get little bits of paper stuck all over the pan so then get the pan back into the oven turn the oven off and let it cool in the oven upside down still so the pan is back in the oven upside down then it's cooled this whole process has taken you maybe two and a half hours for building one seasoning and this is a very thin coat and then you can take it out make sure it's right down to room temperature and do this all over again i suggest a new pan to have around three at least three coatings for it to start to have a really good hard basic surface to work from and then from there you can start your regular uh, cooking and you'll start building up your seasoning So from this point that you've got your pan ready to go, you've got three nice rock hard finishes. The pan wants to look glossy, but semi-glossy. Just like not wet glossy, but shiny like, you know, a new car paint sort of glossy, if that's the best explanation. Um, you know, you're touching it. It may have a tiny bit of a film to it, but it's definitely not wet and it is not definitely not greasy. Um, out of the oven, it should be quite dry and you can always just touch a very very tiny amount of oil over it if you want to give it that tiny bit of a uh, of a glossy look um, it will continue to dry the the grapeseed oil over time just being out in, in air will continue to dry if you have a tiny bit on but then you're gonna start cooking and this is where things get a little bit tricky this this part that I've explained to now is really quite simple this is an easy way to build seasoning because you haven't done anything with the pan you're just building up seasoning now you're going to start to introduce food and this gets trickier so if you're going to from this point cook bacon or 
maybe some burgers or some sausage or something that is really quite fatty and has quite a lot of, of saturated fat in it, you're going to find great success. So you're gonna cook with that, cook some, let's say you've got four pieces of bacon in a 10 inch pan, you lighten them nice and crispy, lots of fat left over, you discard the fat under some cold or medium heat running water and a rag, you rinse the pan and it's gonna bead off and there's gonna be you know lots of flat fat is just gonna be rolling off and, uh, and the water is gonna be beating off the pan. You wipe that off and you put it away. The, the fat is cooked, it's not raw meat, there's not any pathogens within that oil. Uh, the bacteria will not grow, so you do not need to be worried about it killing you somehow into the future with E. coli. So that really nicely fatty seasoned pan gets put away, you pull it out next time, you heat it up, tiny bit of oil, whatever you are using for your cooking oil, definitely not a food oil like I said earlier, and on you go again. However, if you are cooking something that is quite absorbent and that can be even say some types of beans, things that are um, uh, like weedy based like pancakes, what you'll find is that they, they, they suck quite a lot of the moisture off the surface of the pan and you can get sticking, especially if you introduce sugar. So for instance, I'll make a cinnamon apple pancake and you've got the sugar, the fructose within the sugar, or a lemon blueberry pancake. And that will, the, the blueberry and the, and the sugars that are coming off the blueberries will react with the surface and create a bit of gummy and stickiness. So I'll be successful in cooking the pancakes and they'll come out just fine. And what will be left is a bit of a gummy, sticky mess that's left on the pan, especially if I'm doing a large batch where they've stayed hot for the pan to stayed hot for 10 or 15 minutes while I've been cooking a fairly large batch. And those little bits of, of blueberry or apple that get stayed in the pan, they get sticky and they really cook on and they, they almost start to carbonize. And, and once fruit specifically starts to really carbonize or anything sticky, it just adheres to the pan like, like glue. So this is where things get tricky because if you were to not really pay attention to what you're doing with that pan at that time, you're gonna have a big sticky mess that you're gonna have to really work on going forward. So this is where I'll get into explaining how to clean the pan from this point. So the pan is still hot. You finish cooking, but it's still hot like you were cooking with it. Take it and put it directly under coolish running water, maybe even cold, depending on, you know, the, the quality of the pan is the questionable part of that point in time. So if it's a pan in which you know, we've sold a lodge or a field pan or a enameled stove pan, you could take that pan and put it directly under hot running water and it will not warp. Sorry, I said hot water, I meant cold water. And the cold will create steam and lift quite a lot of what's on there. You then pour that out, use a little bit of a scrubby, rub it out, pour some more water in, and now let it sit. Go about your business of cleaning the kitchen or having breakfast or whatever it is that you need to do. Once it's soaking in some water, 
with a really good seasoning on that pan already, you can go and do whatever you want for whatever sort of time. You do not need to be worried about rusting the pan with soaking of seasoned pan. It's not going to happen because the pan is protected with all the seasoning that's on it. So you've left it for X amount of time, 10 minutes, 50 minutes, two hours, whatever it's been, and you go back to the pan, put the pan back in the sink if it's not resting in the sink, and with a light metal scrubby or a harsher um, wooden scrubby or a bristle scrubby, work the pan and give it a scrub around. You can use a little bit of a non-detergent um, based soap. Uh, if you use a natural soap with natural detergents, it won't strip the seasoning. If you use something like a Dawn or a Sunlight or a Palmolive, it will strip the seasoning and get into the seasoning, actually soften the entire thing and pull it all up over time. So the, the, the question around which soap you can use is that if you're using something that is a completely natural soap that doesn't have any harsh cleaners in it, like the Sapodilla that we sell, then you're going to be fine for using soap, but you don't have to. Getting to the surface, you will start to feel with the ends of, ends of your fingers if it has texture left to it. You want to make sure that you're getting that pan down to it being smooth all over. At this stage, if you still have any little bumps and lumps left on the surface after you've been cleaning it for you know 30 seconds or 45 seconds, you can use either kosher salt or you can use a metal scrubby. So some in inexpensive box of kosher salt, perfect to have around for cleaning your cookware. Basically what you do is pour out all the water, have a you know dry-ish surface pan, put in a tablespoon of kosher salt, take a paper towel and get in there and start to polish the surface. Most all of the time, unless you've really burnt something, like really, really cooked something onto the surface, this will get it down to a polished level. If this doesn't work or you don't have kosher salt, use a metal scrubby, like just like a scouring pad, you know, bull's wool or a, a, that sort of thing. And that will, again, get it down. Again, if you're not getting success and you still have quite a lot of burnt on something, you're gonna to wanna to use a harsher cleanser, something like a barkeeper's friend or a comet. At this point, you've crossed the point of no return. And if you're using a harsh chemical cleanser to take off whatever burnt on substance you have, you will need to restart the seasoning process. However, if you stay on top of whatever you've cooked and you haven't allowed things to really dry burn on, you've just normal cooking with a little bit of sugary whatever, like I said, with the blueberries or the, the apples or that sort of thing, you've got like little nubs of, of things stuck on, it will come off generally quite easily and you'll get that easy, smooth surface back. So if you haven't gone to the point where you need to use a harsh cleanser and you've been able to get your, your pan smooth, you can get that out of the sink, on back onto the stovetop and heat that up. Get it to, you know, give it a minute or two at a six or a seven, bring it down to about a five and put on a, just a dab of grapeseed oil, wipe it all around the surface, leave it on the heat until it just starts to smoke, turn off the heat, let it sit and cool completely, wipe out any excess and you're ready to go for the next go. So I do find that if I am doing an ex excessive amount of things that cook onto the surface, like the types of pancakes or that sort of thing that we talked about, is that I will start to build up more of a carbon 
finish onto the pan. This will take every six or seven uses a heavier scouring to get the, the surface down to a smoother finish where I'm getting that buildup of the carbonization down and I'm relying more on the seasoning closer to the surface and not having like a big large carbon buildup, especially what can happen in the corners. You get more and more and more carbon buildup and I'll strip that down. And I'll do that sometimes a bit of a project. It's a Sunday afternoon job where, you know, if you get deep into it of really getting that pan back to perfect, it can sometimes take you a couple of hours altogether of work. And it's not consistent two hours of work. It's doing the work, putting in the on the stovetop or getting the oven, coming back to it, you know, making sure that you put on a timer and getting back to it and, and building up that surface again and cleaning that pan. And this is just the basic maintenance of looking after cookware. And in that, that means, are we willing to put in more effort for using cookware that takes a bit more time, sometimes maybe take a bunch more time than using a Teflon disposable cookware? I believe that this is a worthwhile time spent. I believe that maintaining a good knife and keeping a great edge and uh, having a great cast iron pan and keeping it seasoned and moist and ready to cook again so I have tremendous success and things just float right out of the pan, I believe that's good time spent. I'm, I'm happy to invest that time in my kitchen because I have you know one pan, I have, actually have more than one pan, however, you know primarily I have one pan that I use for many different things and it's gonna last me forever and ever and ever, like the rest of my life. It's never gonna get any worse. It's only gonna get better. It won't degrade. It will never have to go in the garbage. And I've bought a pan once. And to me, especially in this day and age, that's the right choices to be made. And you know, they still sell a plethora amount of, of nonstick cookware. You can buy it at almost anywhere that sells nonstick pans. Actually, as far as I know, Cook Culture is the only retailer anywhere that I've ever been able to find that does not sell Teflon or non-stick based cookware. We don't, we won't, we will not. We believe that every customer should be looking at the longevity of their pans and that making small choices around their pans is better for the planet and overall better for their health. You know, using carbon steel and cast iron pans, they're absolutely neutral, they're benign, there's no chance of having any sort of a, of a chemical buildup. You know, I, we have to be careful about overheating foods and eating fried foods. So in any time that we're heating fats, there is the, the opportunity to oxidize, further oxidize foods and in putting foods that inflame our system into our body. That is the topic of another day and not what I'm talking about here, but not, you know, not everything is as clear cut. So using a carbon steel pan is the best choice from my perspective. So I hope that this has helped get a little bit of an understanding of how to season your cast iron. The method that we talked about with the oven is specifically around using full iron cookware and not carbon steel. The reason for it is that the carbon steel from Debeyer has epoxy on the handle and won't take the high heat in the oven over time. It'll start to bubble and get textured and it's not awesome. So this is really about using lodge, field, stove, things that are 100% cast iron. In the uh, stove pans, 
that are enameled, the process is the same. You can and you should season enamel. It makes for tremendous cookware. A lot of times it's thought of as you buy enameled, you don't have to season it, and it it's okay, it will work okay, but the results are extraordinary when you season enamel cookware like we talked about. This, the finish is so smooth, it's like glass, that it seasons so incredibly well. And you put exactly the same process, same effort, and you'll have tremendous success. So stove, enameled cookware, all the lodge product, and our new field pans. The oven method works the best, and then you supplement and you support with post-seasoning on the, the stove method. Uh, so all of these methods are on our website, and they are in detail and you can either download or review them from our blog and until next time thanks so much